0: This is a Lip Media Podcast. You're listening to One Shot, a fan fiction podcast. Today I'm talking to Georgia. Her fandom is Sherlock Holmes. Georgia. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for doing the podcast. You're very welcome. It's also just nice to hang out with you again um, because we've only met one time before this. Yeah. um, And you interviewed me (laughs) and now it's role reversal.
1: I know. Isn't that fun?
0: It is fun. It's fun for me because I don't have to do the hard, um, uh, this is my answer (laughs) thing. (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) And you were very good at interviewing, so pressure's (laughs) on. Um, So why don't you just tell me a bit about... What came first for you? Sherlock Holmes or fan fiction? Were you already writing fan fiction when you came to Sherlock or other way around?
1: I think I was pretty into writing but probably Sherlock came first. I was really resistant to getting into Sherlock. You know I'd I'd heard things, I was on Tumblr (laughs) and then all of a sudden John Locke happened which is the uh, shipping of Sherlock and John Watson.
0: Okay. And I will give a disclaimer. I am not in the Sherlock fandom. I know that Sherlock Holmes is a character (laughs) and I know that Watson is a character, but they are the most popular ship, right?
1: Oh yeah. Um, So I'm talking about the BBC um, adaptation of Sherlock Holmes. Thank you. Yeah. So John Locke is this kind of queer baiting, sexual tension between Watson and Sherlock and it it never really gets there, which is the joy of fan fiction.
0: Mm, yes, it is. <laughs> Taking it that next step further. Mm-hmm. So at what stage did you go, all right, canon source material, this is not enough. Mm. I need the next step.
1: Well, I, I think my best friend at the time, Scylla and I were both pretty heavy into fandoms and we were into writing and we were into slacking off school and doing doing as much (laughs) non-school stuff as possible um fandoms just sort of came really naturally to us Mm -hmm. and writing in our spare time sharing our new chapters with each other and just reading a whole lot of fan fiction during class
0: what age were you at this stage
1: 13, uh, thirteen,
0: fourteen. Oh, mm-hmm. very prime. Very <laughs> totally. prime. So, you know, we're not reading Romeo and Juliet, we are reading John Locke, fan fiction, back of the English class.
1: Yeah, a bit of Doctor Who as well.
0: Oh, me too. Who mm-hmm. do you ship?
1: Um, David Tennant and Rose Tyler.
0: I mean, is there any other ship? Is there any other? (laughs) I loved Christopher Eggleston. I love the Ninth Doctor. I ship them as well.
1: Yeah, he's really sweet. But Tennant's where it's at, and I've been a hardcore (laughs) Tennant fan ever since.
0: Oh, um, have you written Doctor Who fanfiction?
1: A little bit. I actually had this uh, mega wild story planned. I, I found the draft of it
0: on my computer the other day.
1: But I never really wrote that one. This this one we're reading today is my most complete fan fiction.
0: Most complete. Yeah. And how many chapters is it? It's eight chapters long. Eight chapters. Yeah. All right. And I've had a glance at the chapters. They're pretty short. So it's mm. not like huge epic saga no. level, you know, the hugest fan fictions in the world levels.
1: Some of I, those fan fictions are like actual novels.
0: The longest one I read was 870 pages. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's whack.
1: What What fandom was that?
0: It was twilight.
1: Oh yes.
0: Yeah, it was Edward and Bella.
1: Oh, and it was
0: problematic as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it was so inappropriate, so inappropriate.
1: Oh yeah. Well, they they all are and that's kind <clears throat> of the the fun of it because you're working out what's cool and what's not about yourself. Mm.
0: Did you feel like after you'd written this that you learnt a little bit more about you?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I think it had something to to do with me exploring sexuality. Um This is a fan fiction between two gay men. Like, I don't know why a 13-year-old girl, me, really felt the urge to write that. But Mm -hmm. I feel like I got pretty passionate into it. You know, I I felt those emotions. It's very romantic. And I was probably in love with somebody at the time and just trying Mm. to put my feelings into
0: that. I think that's something I really want to dig into doing this podcast is why so many young girls are obsessed with queer pairings especially Mm. male male pairings in fan fiction because I've definitely written for countless gay couples it's very very common um in saying that we'll talk more about that sort of stuff after we read it so I'm gonna start to read it now it's first person point of view once again I don't I hate first person (laughs) (laughs) the last person I had on as well was first person I don't I don't get it okay there's a
1: reason why this is first person
0: all right go ahead this
1: is this is me writing I don't know why I've done this, but it's writing in an alternate Sherlock reality where Sherlock has gone blind.
0: Oh, so this is an AU. This is an alternate reality, uh, alternate y- yes. universe. I forgot that there was that. T- yes, it is an AU. Okay. Blind Sherlock AU. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's why it's in first
0: person. Okay. I guess you'll find out. <laughs> okay. So is it from Sherlock's point of view or Watson's? Sherlock. Sherlock's. Okay. All right. Oh, Does this have a title? Yeah. It's called Forever All That I Could See. Forever All That I Could See. Yeah. Okay. Forever All That I Could See, chapter one. <laughs> this is problematic off the bat. No! <laughs> okay. My vision is so dark. It kills me that I will never again be able to visually analyze the scene of a murder, absorbing its detail and mystery within mere seconds. I will never again have use for a microscope. <laughs> Georgia. I will feel the ash between my fingers, but I can no longer identify it. And I can no longer study the mystery that is human nature and human error. The most minute facial expressions subliminally created, I can no longer notice them or deduce their hidden meanings. Worse yet, I will never again see the face of John Watson. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's romantic! (laughs) I'm sold I ship them like, yes I'm already <laughs> sold oh, he's so tortured
1: so there's this thing in Sherlock called the mind palace which is this place that Sherlock goes into um to to work out all these clues in the crime okay and it's it's visual like you see what's going on in this mind palace that's the device I've learned on in this piece of fiction it's like the, the mind palace is all he has got left
0: Right, so he, Mm. like, lives in his mind palace now. Yeah, pretty much. I've hidden this affection for months or years. I've lost count. (laughs) Surely you wouldn't. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) But I remember that face so clearly. He always wore it with pride, with strength and honour of a soldier. I saw beneath that yet, I saw the addict that longed to hurt another. I saw myself in those eyes. I remember the way he looked at me when he thought I was concentrating. The truth is, I use those moments as a sort of examination of John. I watched him from an invisible two-way mirror. I watched his as if I were not there. Only I was, and he stared at me intensely. His fine hair had a wonderful gradient of greys and blondes that interwined and shone in the sunlight. As specks of dust would float around his face, I wondered if they would ever land something so beautiful. Oh, stop! <laughs> in love! <laughs> I imagined every detail of him that I would never see again through my own eyes. I imagine the detail of his face, each crease and line deepening as he ages. And when every one of those blond hairs eventually turns to grey, I only wish I could watch him forever. Oh, dear. <laughs> my mind palace is in disarray. Each door has rotted, the hinges and doorknobs have rusted and the frames have broken. My memories seem intact, but they are surrounded by plagues of waste and are nearly inaccessible. I walk my stairs in an eerie green light, my shadow long. The doors that kept my darkest secrets I haven't yet opened, I fear the worst. But past all this, I go to the safest place I have, the only place I have. I open the changer of my mind and find myself at my home. It is not rotten, nor broken, nor tainted. I am there at last, at 221B Baker Street. Is that, that's like an iconic, like everyone knows that's where Sherlock lives. Yeah, okay. there's,
1: it's an actual house, you can go visit it. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I wonder if we'll find the rotten chambers of his mind. Perhaps. <laughs> my wallpaper is there, with my decorations adorning its old walls. The curtains are drawn, and there is a fresh tea awaiting me at the coffee table. I do not approach it. I sit in my chair and watch his chair opposite. In a moment now, he should be there. John, he is there. He is my bliss. <laughs> you were very in love with someone.
1: Yeah, it was Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fair enough. I reach to touch him, leaning forward in my chair. He sits calmly. I reach and touch him, and with the strongest mental capability I have, it is nearly real. Perhaps my blindness assists in this. He does not resist, but he turns his head to watch. John. I lean my head longingly to its side. That's such a fanfiction way of writing yeah, that. Yeah, it
1: is. <laughs> I lean
0: my head longingly to its side, <laughs> devouring every detail I cannot consciously remember. It is all here in the palace of my mind. John. Sherlock? Immediately I am gone. The memory fades in a puff of a cigarette and I listen with fear and delight. John, I... I am lost for words. Every one of his breaths is louder and deeper than I remember and I thought I remembered him in such detail. His footsteps are uncharacteristically soft. He has heard me and I have unintentionally been moaning his name aloud. (laughs) Embarrassing. (laughs) That is very, very fan fiction. Keep it together, Sherlock. (laughs) John. (laughs) Uh, John. Who plays John in the show? Martin Freeman. (laughs) Nothing so sexy like Martin Freeman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I turn my head in what I believe is his direction, but I find that he is behind me. I thought I told you not to come around, John. Solitude is all I have now. Alone protects me. You need a friend, Sherlock. At that moment, my breath hitches. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what I'm picturing. He goes from being totally fine to... (laughs) (laughs) The word triggers me. The word Mycroft and I would always laugh at. And the word I have lately become familiar with. Friend. Sherlock, I think you need something. A case, maybe. Maybe. I know one of my clients has been having an issue with finding her, but I interrupt that delicate voice. <laughs> Woo. <Whoa. laughs> <laughs> no, John. I need you. <laughs> Zero to a hundred. Yeah. His breath is hitched and he's he's done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Fair response from it, John here.
1: Get it falls apart here.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. This yeah. is the downfall. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? I rise and turn from my chair. I open my eyes. I imagine that they can still see. John, my voice wavers. John, you're important to me. You're one of few people that mean anything to me. I can't control myself, though. I want to own you. I want you-, <laughs> <laughs> I want you to absorb me, everything that I have. But I can't hurt you, and I never will. If I torment myself and pretend that you're there in my mind, it almost makes it bearable. Leave, John. Well, mixed signals from Sherlock. Y-
1: yeah, very
0: mixed. I want you to own me. Leave.
1: <laughs> I know. And probably coming from an, an inner confusion o- of mine, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know, Sherlock is also a problematic character in the show anyway. So, Because
0: mm. mm. this is a little bit ableist.
1: <laughs> I know. I, but I that's... Am, I,
0: I wrote... <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of rape fanfiction. Yeah. It's pretty common. There is. Uh, so I feel like, you know, blind, you're getting off easy. Just have ever mm. <laughs> written someone being blind?
1: I am so, so sorry to any blind or vision impaired people out there. <laughs> I, I didn't know what I was doing.
0: <laughs> but that's the thing, isn't it? Like, that's why we're talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Because we don't realize when we're 13 that this is not appropriate. Yeah. My eyes glaze over. Oh, could you imagine seeing someone do that to you? Like saying, leave. And then their eyes just, huh. <laughs> <laughs> everything just goes, Whoop. <laughs> my eyes glaze over. I can only hope that his aren't the same. I hope that I can take his tears. I hope that he can forget me. Sherlock, you dickhead. I was forced to imagine that world without you, wasn't I? When you left me. I don't have a mind palace. I have a gravestone and 240 bloody types of tobacco ash. Is that a reference? It's a show reference. Thank you. (laughs) 243. I didn't see it, but I heard him shuffle. I knew him so well in that moment. He forgave me for anything that I had done or could possibly ever do, despite everything that I am. At that moment, he leant forward and with such tenderness, I felt the first light touch of his tender lips. (sighs) Ah. His Cupid's bow pressed against mine, swirling around my mind and my universe simultaneously. Oh, I love Thanks. for an infinite <laughs> amount of time and for but a second. Georgia, oh, queen of the prose, I take head. it all back. Oh, thank you, <laughs> fantastic. I love the the fan fiction way of trying to say like they were really into it without mm. saying it every the same mm. way that all everyone else says it. Mm-hmm. I felt like you nailed it with the Cupid's bow. Uh, yeah eternity but it's a second oh
1: this is such a problem in the smart scenes you know of of any Mm -hmm. fan fiction because they end up describing things the same way and you're like oh please give me something
0: else yes and this is like this is nice oh thanks i like that he released and i dared not insist on more but he understood that i wanted that murky uh, mm-hmm. uh, consent. I
1: know it's it's
0: real bad. It gets worse. Great, good. I was transported by his warm lips back into the two hundred and twenty-one B Baker Street of my mind. Gradually, he came around to the front of my chair, and his kiss began anew. I softly kissed him back. Girl, you said that the smut started chapter six. This is like page two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know what's going on chapter six. <laughs> I'm going to read as written. Mm. He grabbed by curls with his mm. left hand and my face in his right. He pulled me in closer, impossibly closer. And I reached behind myself for stability. My mouth opened partly in shock and it was greeted by his sweet tongue reaching inside. This is chapter. This is not chapter <laughs> six. <laughs> <laughs> I only realized then that I was completely in love with him. Only now. He just wax poetic, just, poetic yeah. about his gray hair. <laughs> I realized what love was in every secret of the universe. I realized that love could <laughs> never exist in another form other that of John Watson. And that I would sacrifice my hearing, smelling and tasting for him to love me back. I knew that for one second, John Watson had given me the power to see again.
1: <gasps> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> hey, they're in love. Yeah, they're in love. No shame here. Um. Disclaimer about the rest of the piece it I don't really I don't really know what what happens suddenly that both in love and then and then John is gone and then I'm not really sure what happened or what was going on when I was writing it but it like doesn't something make changed sense. yeah
0: but you didn't write it
1: it's like they're they're like oh, it gets really problematic <laughs> <laughs> it's like that they've got this like this attraction going on but then they're being pulled apart by something and I'm I don't I didn't
0: write that properly. Is it like mutual pining? Like, like this, you know, when in like, and this isn't any kind of fiction when the two characters are obviously in love, but for like really poor circumstances and poor excuses, they're not together.
1: Yes. Is that kind of the energy? A bit of that. And also why I wrote this, Mm. I'm not exactly sure. There's this thing going on where Sherlock knows that John has had a lot of sexual relationships with women and affairs and that kind of thing. And he's doubting himself because he's not a woman. Mm. And he's like, can I fulfill that for John? Am I just going to be another, am I just going to be another like flirt for him or am I going to be something more? And he's doubting that John's into him. And and I don't know why I've written that complicated thing, but Sherlock is aware that he's not a woman. Hm. There you go.
0: That is interesting. Also that like Watson's sexuality is almost like assumed straight. Even though yeah. he's already said that he's in love with Sherlock yeah. and kissed him, mm. yeah, and I think it's like we hear more about, or at least I hear more about, as I talk to more people who identify as bisexual, that mm. they either are considered gay or straight, like that it has to be 50-50 split mm-hmm. or zero or a hundred, but it's more like a spectrum. Yeah, and absolutely. I say this as a heterosexual, mm. like cis woman, but like I've seen more discussion around. Yeah, like a man, say gay man and a bisexual man, and the gay man not feeling like he's female enough because that person Mm. has traditionally slept with only women. Yeah. So, really, this is like important academia (laughs) on heteronormativity. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's continue. Cool. He made no noise, it was silent and perfect. He pulled away both of his hands, and I wondered if he was looking into my eyes. Oh, because he's blind and he doesn't Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. How is it that you can make me feel so human, John? He didn't reply, but in a single motion, he embraced me. Perhaps for the first time in my life, I returned that embrace with strength and adoration. His body shook and mine too when his tears dampened my face. Why? They're hugging face to Why is face. Why crying? <laughs> <laughs> They're hugging like cheek to cheek. <laughs> That's an adoring hug. John was forever all that I could see. You're leaning on the blindness here, mm. and I'm kind of here for it. <laughs> chapter two. Chapter two. Oh, that's the name of the fic. Yeah. Forever all that I could I just see. title dropped. You title dropped? I title dropped. <laughs> At the end of chapter... <sighs> yeah. You're a professional. I'm a professional. I'm seeing it. <laughs> I wake from a dream in a cold sweat. The sheets once wrapped neatly around my body have been creased and are permeated by my fear from a clearly terrifying dream. How does he know his sheets are creased? I don't know, he feels it. Maybe. He blind. You okay, can maybe he can feel yeah. it. <laughs> I do not remember it and nor do I want to. I was once excellent at retaining my dreams. I found that their unique insight into my subconscious found a deeper level that I could reach in my mind palace. And so I often consulted my lucid state to find hidden observations and thoughts. But since I lost the ability to see, my subconscious is starving. It is no visions to feed on. My thoughts and their manifestations seem like they have lost a dimension. Whenever I do remember a dream, I am disgusted by myself and fearful of sleep. It seems like the part of my mind that controls my dreams is too preoccupied being without sight in order to imagine John. Oh, so his mind is so like, Mm. I got to remember what John looks like. He can't do anything else.
1: Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm trying to work out. Did I write the first chapter as a dream? Is that that's, what's going that's on? That's what I'm trying
0: to work out. Like, yeah. was, did he just have a dream? Perhaps, though, this is what frightens me most of my dreams, a life without him. I'm reminded of yesterday. Oh, no. Well, it, yeah, it was real. It was real. <laughs> Wonderful, surreal yesterday. So, okay. Even he is like, that mm. was surreal. Oh, shit. <laughs> how did John know me so well? How was it that John could unfold my entire existence? One that I fought to keep so hidden from others, even from myself. And how could John make me see again? I remember how I stared for him long after, even if I wasn't able to interpret what was before me. I looked at him so intensely with a complex devotion. Soon after I left for my room, without word, falling asleep on the memory. I start to doubt myself. I start to doubt if he regards me as highly as I do him. I start to wonder if this outburst of affection, however brief, was only pity. It's pretty fair, Cole, Sherlock. Mm. Sounded like a pretty, you know, pity, tender embrace. (laughs) Because he was blind.
1: And adoration. And, yeah. Well, that
0: strength and adoration was from a place of pity. And the tears. Yeah, the wet tears on his face. <laughs> to the right of the room, I hear a scratch at the keyhole. I hear his pronounced footsteps walk along my wooden floorboards. I locked my door last night, but John has found his way in regardless. Mm. He probably has a key, though. Yeah, like, yeah, that would be it. On my bedside table, he placed a full steaming teapot, a mug for himself, and a teacup for me. So how does he know?
1: The sound perhaps the smell or his
0: mind pals is like (laughs)
1: yeah it's tea (laughs) yeah it's like an intense deduction
0: (laughs) i realized the state i was in and hurriedly gathered my sheets around my bare chest (laughs) nothing like a skinny white british man (laughs) with a bare chest (laughs) (laughs) i am sure that my embarrassment was visible a little chuckle came from my lips (laughs) those lips that i knew those lips that I'd felt, studied, and tasted. Bought you some tea. I knew fully well that it was, in fact, tea that he had bought me. But I replied. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love that. That's." <laughs> She's like, I know you yeah, bought me tea. Of course it's I'm tea. Sherlock. <laughs> Sherlock fucking Holmes. <hard. laughs> it's my thing. It's my job to investigate and know things. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, John. He leans his weight to the other side. I feel I've convinced him that his limp is... ooh. Oh, yeah.
1: So in the show, he has a psychosomatic limp in the first episode. What's psychosomatic think, limp? It's like he has a limp, but it's only it's only there because John believes he has a limp. So in the first episode, she looks like, that limp is fake.
0: Whoa.
1: So I, I think it's another show reference that I've attempted to Damn. Mm.
0: So... This is set pretty early in the show, then, because he's still got the limp.
1: I th- I think he just keeps doing. Or he it. keeps doing I'm it. I'm not really sure. I haven't seen the show in
0: a long time. Okay, if anyone out there listening is a Sherlock, Diehard, <laughs> let us know. I feel I've convinced him that his limp is psychosomatic, but I keep to myself the truth that he is an injured man still. A swarm of reminiscence hits me. I remember his damaged gait when I first met him. And combining the fresh memory of the sound of his footsteps with an old memory of his confident walk overwhelms me. God, just thinking about him walking. It's,
1: like... it's pretty hot.
0: <laughs> Hearing his full body in motion is enough to make me hold my breath. <gasps> <laughs> I love that we did that in tandem. He notices this and asks me, Sherlock, you're right. I release my breath. <sighs> <laughs> and turned my head toward him. Yes, quite alright, thank you. Look, Sherlock, I'm sorry. Really, I'm not that sure where I was last night and I understand that you need your rest and prefer to be alone sometimes. I get that. But Sherlock, you've got to accept that I have feelings for you somewhere underneath all this. Underneath all what? I don't know. Where did that come from, John? Well, he held oh. his breath. You know, that means he's stressing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard him shuffle a gesture. Mm. I'm sorry. These words spoken from the tongue of a demigod were audible bliss.
1: That is a bad line.
0: (laughs) We're getting it twice. (laughs) These words spoken from the tongue of a demigod were audible bliss. Mm. (laughs) If not pity, then what was he feeling? Oh my, he just said, like, he's got feelings for you. Mm. He kissed you. Yeah. With every inch of myself, I wish that he felt as acutely as I do. I want him all. I want his love. I want him to make me crumble at his feet in devotion, and I want him to live forever. Everything I have ever known, every little deduction, I could not muster words to match his. I suppose my body language spoke for itself when I collapsed. My only strength poured itself into my hand when I grabbed John's arm and didn't let go. John decided after that, that it was perhaps best to crawl in with me. Yes, he Ooh. did. <laughs> okay. I knew how my bed would appear, but John didn't seem to mind as he took off his slippers and wrapped my arm around him. He took the damp sheet.
1: Damp sheet? The damp sheet. <laughs> did he come? He was sweaty.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not- you ever hear him like, he's come all over the sheet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he took the damp sheet and bundled it under his chin, taking a little bit too much of it for himself. I didn't mind. The thin skin of my chest rubbed against the warmth of John's jumper. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that's gross. Yeah,
1: but Benedict Cumberbatch, I mean, yeah, you can imagine it, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've seen him without his shirt on, you know. Yeah. I've seen Doctor Strange. (laughs) The thin skin of my chest rubbed against the warmth of John's jumper, and his short hair was nestled under my nose. My, he smelt wonderful. Unknowingly, I was running my foot down his leg, and I felt the contours of it under my trousers, like I'd always wanted to. We lay on our sides with my arm unbearably close to his back. What?
1: Like, how does he unknowingly do this?
0: And how is his arm unbearably close to his back? Yeah,
1: just do it. Just do
0: it. Just chill out. Yeah. Go to your mind palace mm. With every part of me that was connected to him, I mapped his body in my mind. Oh, because he's blind. Every. <laughs> <laughs> Every curve and imperfection, however perfect, was marked in a lattice of John's body and my mind. The earlier John I held in there was hollow, and now in my bed, with our untouched cups of tea cooling, oh yuck! <laughs> this is this is a gross sentence. Oh, you. I'm so I, sorry I, I to do it all in one. <laughs> the earlier John I held in there was hollow, and now in my bed, with our untouched cups of tea cooling, my sweaty sheets, and John's itchy woolen jumper, we were intertwined so wonderfully. I did not protest, and I did not feel him object either. I have never understood love like this. I'd taken a particular interest in the chemistry of love in my college studies, and I suppose that is where the foundation of knowledge for love comes from. How intoxicating and hypnotic can one thing be? The faint musk of John's scent and the fine roughness of his skin change my genetic structure... It penetrates the marrow of my bones, exclamation <laughs> How foreign a thing like his muffled size can be, barely inches away from my own ears. Oh, Shakespeare, write me a sonic, girl. If I can never understand love, then I will never understand him. He turns around. Sherlock, you're doing it again. A delayed response on my part. Hmm? Sherlock, talk to me, you're not talking. I buried my face in that warm place under his chin, over his chest, like a child. Fearlessly, I whispered, John, I love, I love you. you. <laughs> and I fell back asleep in what? his arms. <laughs> that last bit was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Just- end of chapter two. Naturally, I-, I mean, that was a dramatic ending. That Thank you. <laughs> had to be the end of the chapter. So how do you feel having heard that?
1: Wow. <laughs> It's it's quite something hearing that as, you know, like a 20-year-old person. <laughs> it's um mm. <laughs> it's a little shocking. It's pretty problematic in parts. Mm. Yeah.
0: Does it make you think about yourself when you were 13? Like do you feel like any of your personality is reflected in this? Definitely.
1: <clears throat> yeah, something I've come to learn about myself is that I can be very anxious sometimes, especially with romantic partners constantly doubting that is this just pity? Is this just them being polite? Or do they actually like me? Do they actually want to spend time with me? Is this just a feeling that I'm imagining they're having? Sherlock's anxiety there is a lot like mine.
0: And do you realize now hearing it out of my mouth, like how ridiculous that sounds like that mm. your romantic partner would just be pitying you?
1: Yeah. Totally. And also maybe as
0: like a more grown woman that that's insane.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like, John is clearly into you there, Charlotte. Just hit it. Just yeah. get it. Go there.
0: Just, yeah, absolutely. Get it. Like pull your punches. Yeah. Did you find yourself reading mostly male like slash slash fan fiction?
1: Um, yeah, I, I think I did. Yeah, that is interesting. Except in the case of Doctor Who, um, there was just something about man slash fiction that had this. Um, it was it was like it was a more challenging and difficult relationship because queer relationships just didn't happen much on screen. Mm. So it was like with Rose Tyler and the Doctor, for instance, their relationship was almost assumed. It was like put a man and a woman together in a show. As the two leads, and they'll end up together. Mm. But with two men, especially when they had chemistry, it was it was like, please, please do this. So true. And it would never happen, you know. Recently, yeah. I, I don't know why I, I read so much of this Sherlock, but I think it was something about the the dy- the dynamic and the the difficulty of these these two guys who <laughs> live together against all these odds. And- mm.
0: I'll throw something at you. Yeah. This is something that I've talked about with a few other fan fiction readers and authors, mm. especially for female readers and writers, yeah. which pre- fan fiction is predominantly <coughs> female mm. in terms of the people putting out the product. I, you know, sort of was talking with some people and they suggested that young girls like to read slash fan fiction because the sex is between two men Mm. and therefore it can't happen to them. Mm. So it makes them feel like a bit safer about it mentally. I don't know if that has any weight or truth, Mm. but if they can play out sexual fantasies between two men, they can't identify with either of them. So it makes them feel safer about it.
1: Mm, That's interesting. With smutty fan fiction, I I actually did sort of want to feel myself in one of the roles I did want to identify with it mm. um and I also wanted to identify with increasingly extreme sort of roles in those fan fictions like we were talking about like rape fan fiction was mm. is definitely a part of it and I I would read that kind of thing to understand why 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 do I have these feelings mm-hmm. why do I have this desire for one of the partners to be like forceful and another one to be quite Submissive. It's mm. it's something I still kind of struggle to understand about myself.
0: And there's a lot of BDSM mm-hmm. dominant submissive. Uh, it's a whole genre of fan fiction. Yeah, every fandom you can find one, mm-hmm. uh, which I think says it says something about us. I don't know what it says. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I would be willing to bet that most people who read that stuff would never partake in like a BDSM relationship. Mm. But they really enjoy reading it.
1: Maybe it's something about the desire to know what's going on behind closed doors for the character and that they have this big secret, that they like this kind of thing. And Mm. I think there's this kind of thing with fandoms where you you love the character so much and you fall so deeply in love with them that you would sort of do anything for them. So if they have this, if the character has this sexual fantasy, it's like, "I I would do that for you if... You know, Mm. if I was in your
0: universe, yeah, that's (laughs) yeah, that's so true. It's pretty messed up, yeah, it's kind of messed up, but at the same time, probably healthy Mm, to play it out mentally, especially for queer and female teenagers Mm. who don't really have much sexual education, yeah, arguably as well. I mean, young boys, not to generalize, but tend to watch pornography. And young girls tend to read fan fiction. Yeah. And I mean, I would argue that fan fiction is a much healthier way to engage with Mm. your sexuality and explore sexuality and sex acts as well. Not just like gay, straight, bi, ace, but also just ways to have sex, what Mm. sex is, how to do it safely. That's something fan fiction can give you without... All the obvious—I mean, the obvious, dam- damaging things about pornography, like just the industry at large, how it works, mm. is terrible. The more you find out about it, yeah. um, versus fan fiction is completely harmless mm. but problematic. So, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it harmless?
1: Mm. Mm, yeah, fan fiction really helped me to help me to connect emotions and stories to sex.
0: Mm, um, that's something I hear a lot
1: yeah it, it was it was me working out how to how conceivably would I get into a sexual situation and what would happen from then on um mm. am I gonna fuck this up no you really it's pretty hard to fuck it up unless there's a consent issue involved mm. but it, it was it was sort of me following that path in my mind especially because I was so anxious about how is this going to happen? How can I how can I make it right? How can I think of every possible problem that might crop up, um, and how can I make make this the most emotional, loving, fulfilling sexual experience?
0: Exactly, and that's something that obviously pornography just is never delivers. Nope. Even if a porn video has like its three minutes of story at the start, mm. it's always you know a very generic setup. It's poorly acted. Mm -hmm. It's not the point. Yeah. It's a predecessor to the fantasy, which is the point. Mm -hmm. And the sex act is the point. Whereas, you know, if you read a fan fiction, that's a slow burn. Yeah, You might read 50,000 words Mm. before your two characters have sex. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a a novel. (laughs) And you're really invested and you really want them to have sex, but not until they're ready, the two characters, Mm -hmm. which is just insane like how much you will stick around for something because you haven't gotten it in the canon media mm-hmm. but you really want it for these characters
1: yeah and it like just expanding on your point about different sex acts and way to have sex ways to have sex um I found in in successive chapters of a, an ongoing fan fiction different um sort of sexual scenarios would be explored mm. they had to be explored for the Story purpose, one chapter would would be this kind of sex, and then another chapter would be this kind of sex and mm. you got this sensation that each of them were fulfilling in in different ways, which was pretty exciting
0: or they weren't fulfilling oh that's true, and they would abandon whatever thing they had been doing because one of the characters didn't like it. yeah, you get that a lot in with safe word fan fictions oh, that you yeah. know where the two characters are using safe words, and one of them will be like. Red, never do that again. And yep. then you're also learning about their character, why they didn't want to do mm. that particular thing.
1: I came across a couple different fan fictions that was called PWP, Porn Without Plot. It was like a tag you could search yes, for. Yes,
0: yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The other side to that is mm. just like there are just one shots that are sex mm, and that's shot. it.
1: Yeah, but even even that is more, it is more fulfilling and engaged than than porn is because you already know the characters and you know that these two people Mm -hmm. um, are having sex because they know each other and they like each other or they're they're in a relationship and there is consent. Yeah. Opposed to porn where it's two strangers both to you and to each other who are just, you know, having mechanical sex.
0: Yeah, and I mean they are consenting but there's also like it's a service, there's an exchange of goods going on. Yep. And like you said, when it's a fan fiction, you just like, even if you jump in sentence one, you know, like we started fucking Mm -hmm. the two characters, you're right. They have a context, even if they're strangers in the story, Mm. we know that, you know, Sherlock is really meticulous and Mm. um, fidgety or, you know, his personality traits. And we know Watson's a sweetheart and he's Mm -hmm. the good guy and we all love him. So there's all this preconceived um ideas about them Mm. so that when they meet sexually even it's from the get-go that's kind of like the the glory of fan fiction and I'm sure you as a writer can appreciate as well Mm. I've always thought of fan fiction as like a training ground for writers yeah as a way to just practice did it ever feel like that for you
1: it definitely did it was a huge achievement for me to write something that was eight thousand words at the time mm. and to begin plotting longer pieces. And it was really the first thing I'd written that wasn't for an assignment. You know, it was it was like very fulfilling and he, seeing people who react to it online, giving me kudos, giving me comments, that still makes
0: me happy. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that quickly. It being online, getting a kudos. So um, for listeners who aren't regularly engaged with fan fiction, you tend to post one chapter at a time You don't post the whole thing at once. Mm. So it's post as you go and you get feedback on each post, each chapter. A chapter can be six lines. It can be 10,000 words. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on what kind of writer you are. Um, So did you, would you get comments, you know, I really like this or this is really great. It it tends to always be positive.
1: Yeah. Or useful, constructive feedback sometimes Mm. too. I still remember a comment that said, you know, we've just read this piece and uh, maybe I don't agree with that fully anymore, but they said your prose is exquisite. <laughs> and that made me feel, it's just so amazing. You yeah.
0: Know? I I got a comment once. I wrote a fan fiction for The Walking Dead. Cool. Um, which I used to love. Yes. Um, it was a Beth and Daryl fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Ship them so hard. Yes. But it was an alternate universe with no zombies. And it was about, um, cause it was so inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And now I look back at it, I'm like, Can't believe I got away with this. I should be in jail. (laughs) It was a story about what if Daryl knew Beth from when she was born because there's a huge age difference between Mm -hmm. them. It's like 13 years or 14 years age difference. Mm -hmm. So what if he met her as a baby and then was involved in her life regularly up until she was of an age of consent and then they got together. Mm, Yeah. And in the fan fiction, it made total sense. Yeah. And I had someone say to me, you somehow made this premise not gross and I super love it and I'm into it. Mm. And I was like, that's so nice. And then years later, I'm like, this is bad. <laughs> this is not okay. This should not be okay. It's okay in The Walking Dead because they're both adults when they meet. But mm. in that situation, it just makes no sense. Mm. Um, and I thought that's pretty weird. But then you have people engaging with you saying, you know, this is really normal and great.
1: Yeah, it's weird. I think that power dynamic thing that seems to crop up in fan fictions is a big is a big part of totally. why I read it
0: I'd never heard of the um omega oh. fan fiction stuff until I started yeah. reading fanfic which is all about um alphas and omegas mm. you know dominating <laughs> alpha dominating yeah. omega yeah it's very animalistic yes. it's very um it's just its own thing like yeah you're either into that or you're not into it um mm. But that's obviously all about power dynamics and submission and control.
1: Yeah, I remember coming coming across that kind of stuff, and yeah, it was it was probably a little bit too, it was it was a bit too structured. Like the labels of it were a little bit too much for me.
0: It is very yeah labeled yeah.
1: But even so, I I was reading it to work out how how two people with different levels of power and understandings of each other would have a, a romance. Actually, on on that note, mm. I would only ever read romance or smut. I wouldn't read the friendship ones.
0: You don't read friendship fanfic? I mean, who the hell does? Me yeah. neither. No. <laughs> always always shipping someone.
1: Always. Yeah.
0: Could you bear to read other ships, like Sherlock with someone else?
1: Uh, I tried. I tried Sherlock and Molly. I tried John and his wife in the show.
0: Yeah. You Name.
1: Know, he, he wants that. Yeah. A loving relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, they were they were okay. And sometimes were better written than others. So I'd appreciate mm. them in that way. But it was never the same.
0: I honestly just, I can't read unless it's my ship. Yeah. Like if it's my person, like one of my ships with someone else, I'm like, <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> don't like that. like physical bodily response of no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to wrap it up because it's four o'clock okay, and I'm going to drive you to South Sierra.
1: Thank you, Michelle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, Georgia, for doing the podcast. It's been a pleasure. OneShot is made with support from Balloon Tree Productions. The theme song is Dearest Friend by Hem. You can follow me on Twitter at OneShotPod and subscribe to OneShot on Apple, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.